Welcome to KafaruCast, everyone. This is Matthew Bernier with the great Aaron Snyder. Hi. Uh, <laughs> coming to you from, where are we, Arvada? Kafaru World Headquarters in oh, Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Wheat Ridge, Colorado. <laughs> uh, Matt, tell everybody, uh, we've already done a podcast with you, but kind of give everybody a rundown of kind of what you do and... Uh, well, probably can't remember exactly what we talked about the first go round, so um, probably cover a lot of things twice just because it's been so long. But uh, kind of what you do, I guess, is a profession. So I'm a uh, muscle and exercise specialist. I'm a licensed massage therapist. I got my degree in health and physical education. Uh, I've studied a bunch of physics. I try to apply physics towards resistance training and exercise. I I. Uh, do a lot of consulting with people on their exercise programs with uh, frequency, duration, loads, trying to get people to realize progression and intensity. And there's a difference between performance training and um, longevity. And I think we have a tendency to drive this whole performance thing a lot and we don't understand why we're either breaking down or falling apart. So I also do body work to try and restore motions and reduce pain and get people functioning better. So kind of a exercise consultant dispelling a bunch of the myths of exercise and and uh, there's just a lot of I guess you call it bro science, but there's a, I just call it shit. Yeah. There's a lot of shit in the fitness industry, and a lot of people just are doing things that they think are good for them, and it's just breaking the system down. So, yeah. Gotcha. So what do you think uh, if you're going to you know pinpoint maybe uh, the top three mistakes people are making, uh, but like myself, know just enough to get in trouble, um, you know, work out every day, head to the gym. Uh, probably don't stretch as much as I probably should. Um, and it's, you know, kind of like the three big ones where you're like, that you see where you're like, holy shit, that people do. A thing that I've been on lately is dispelling these myths. And there's some words, there's some interesting words in the fitness industry that we use, like the word stretch. We use this word stretch. Range of motion training is super important. You've taken a bunch of animals apart. Mm -hmm. When have you ever seen anything stretchy inside there? Yeah, I guess none of it's stretchy. Pliable, maybe. Um, well, it's, it, it changes length. Yeah. But it doesn't change length. So muscle tissues on the human skeleton to produce force and move us and move us with precision. Now, if I attached a rubber band to a, a lever that I wanted to move, it wouldn't move with precision until you get, got all the stretch out of the tissue. Mm -hmm. So tissue changes length, but there's a process called cross bridging. There's little actin and myosin filaments in there and they walk together and they walk apart. Kind of like Velcro would. Right, right, right. Like we can change the length of two pieces of Velcro that attach by either overlapping or unoverlapping the tissue. Now, I don't care if people use the word stretch as long as they don't do something wrong with it. So when you use the word stretch and you yank and you pull and you yank and you pull and you don't understand why it's not changing length, 
man, where if you take, you know that when you use a heavy load, what happens to the range of motion of the exercise, especially when you get fatigued? Yeah, well, it's limited when it's, it's heavy. limited. So if you want to train range of motion, just use a load that you can do through the entire range. But we've been told that if we don't go to failure, we're not doing anything. Well, you are doing something. You're just not building horsepower. So range of motion training would be done better with a light load that you can go through the entire range. So probably one of the biggest things that I see is that we always choose a load that limits our range and then we're surprised that our range is limited. Yeah, so we're basically building up over time where we're more and more limitations to the total range of motion because of how we lift. That's what we're training. We're training limited range now. We're building horsepower, but tissue doesn't feel good when it can't go through this full overlap and unoverlap of tissue. The hard part is you have to have a couple days in there that is a lighter load. There's another word that we use in the fitness industry. So like stretch, because we use the word stretch, we think the tissue's stretchy. Right. And that's not how it changes length. We also use something like when you go into the gym to work out and you start the workout, are you the strongest in the beginning? No, not normally. <laughs> No. Oh, when when you go to work out? Yeah, when you start. Yeah. The first set, are you the strongest? Yeah, you're strongest. Yep. Oh, well, pretty close. Yeah. What do you typically got to get in before you get to your strongest? Uh, you got to get the blood flowing, or I do. Or we get call, and what do we call that? We call that the? Warm-up. Okay. So what do you call when you were in the woods? Like, I remember the story you were saying in the woods, and and... Hold on one sec. Frank pulled in, and I want him to hear this shit. So we're going to pause it. I'm going to grab Frank. And Perfect. Then, all right, one second. We're back, everyone. We got Frank on now. Um, you ready, Frank? Hello. <laughs> all right. So go go ahead with what you were talking about, where the overlap and, and underlap. Okay. So, Frank, you've taken multiple animals apart in the field, right? We use this word like... There's a bunch of, I was talking about, there's a bunch of words we use in the fitness industry and uh, it leads us to do wrong, not wrong. I don't want to say wrong. It leads us to try to solve problems in ways that are inappropriate for how the tissue changes length. And you've taken a lot of animals apart. You ever seen meat that's stretchy? Not really. No. Never. Meat is muscle tissue. So we use this word stretch and everybody goes, man, I just need to stretch more. Well, the way tissue is like something stretchy is it changes length. It just doesn't change length via a stretch. So I put this on you guys, like get on YouTube, look up cross bridging, tissue overlaps and unoverlaps. There's little ad, there's little feet and fingers in there and there's actin and myosin filaments. You know, we get fatigued. You start to get that shake. Well, that's just a, a non-smooth walking of the fingers and feet together and a walking of the fingers and feet apart. So when a muscle's at full, I don't believe that a tissue's ever structurally too short. It just can't go through its full cross-bridging range. So it either can't get to fully unoverlapped or it can't get to fully overlapped. Because you know when you flex a muscle, it gets bigger. Why does it get bigger? 
because of the overlap. This is unoverlapped. This is overlapped. I'm just taking my arms and overlapping them. See how that's twice as thick as this is. It's just, it's structurally, and this is the frustrating thing for me about the fitness industry. There isn't anything good or bad in what people do. If people train range of motion in appropriate way and they call it stretching, okay, great. But if you yank it tissue, so there is a little stretchy piece inside the tissue, which is the sensory receptor. And when I yank on that and I stretch it, it opens up these little pores, calcium flows into the tissue, which causes a contraction. So if you're a really strong individual and you yank at that tissue, it's just going to cause it to contract more. So I Is that why my lower back's all fucked up? <laughs> well, it, it, there could be multiple issues. It could be duration. It could be intensity. Like we talked about the training heavy thing, right? Yeah. Like we all like to keep hammering, right? <laughs> yeah. We we all like to do that. The hard part is some of our workouts need to be lighter to drive the recovery process. Let me um, throw this at you because I'm kind of finding it seems like if I stretch my calves out, which are a problem before cardio, they end up tighter than if I wouldn't have and just finished up and kind of did a cool down. So all all tissue responds via force. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I yank at that tissue really hard, it actually can inhibit the ability of the tissue to cross bridge optimally. What about like foam rolling? So what would you, what would you think is similar to a foam roll in your kitchen? Um, rolling rolling pin. pin. Yeah. And what's the purpose of a rolling pin? Flatten it. Why do you want to flatten your muscle? Well, hold on now. I want to flatten a muscle knot or, or, or work it out. But what is a knot? Is it a structural thing or is it a little contraction? It's a contract, trigger point contraction. So what if I could get the contraction to calm down by doing some other contractions, which heighten my ability to contract, not lessen it? I don't know if I understood what you just said. Okay. Say it again. <laughs> so... If I smash that thing with a foam roll, mm -hmm. you're going to reduce the contraction. Mm -hmm. But what if that reduces the ability of the tissue to contract op optimally so that when you go to use it, it just does this abnormal tension thing? Mm -hmm. Frank, you're looking as confused <laughs> as I am. I have to use the bathroom. <laughs> go ahead. Come back. So when you're doing uh, – so for like my IT band – when I, you know, I'd never stretched a day in my life to speak of, right? And uh, I didn't, uh, when I say stretch, you know, I didn't warm up, didn't really do anything. I just went out. And then I've got, uh, I haven't had it in a long time. I got the IT band, you know, not in the middle of my thigh or whatever. And then I just did kind of normal stretches or, you know, the right leg over the left knee and yep. flex forward and foam rolled. It went away and I haven't had an issue since, what would be you? So what you're saying is there's other options that will take care of it. It'd be more optimal. Well, there's other, if you did that, right? Okay. You do that. You have this issue. You do that. It gets better. It goes away. You don't have that problem anymore. Perfect. That worked. But what about the areas that you do that? And it's the same thing over. And so there is a chance that when you have a problem like that, it's just an over-contracting tissue mm -hmm. that you need to calm down. You use it again. 
and that was a good solution. But if your calves are always nodding up and you're stretching them all the time and you're foam rolling them and they're always still tight, is that the appropriate solution? No, and I so I stopped on my my calves, and 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 that's why I brought with Frank because his tighten up. Um, it would seem like, you know, my my lower back would be a little bit tight, hamstrings tight, calves were tight, and uh, sometimes, and I didn't diagnose or document as well as I probably could have that as I would stretch my lower back, stretch my hamstrings, and stretch my calves it would almost be worse when I was finished than if I would have just kind of warmed up, walked around, got blood flowing, and then and then went. If I did that, I really didn't have an issue, and sometimes it would seem like it'd make it worse. Well, one of the, so that, that warm-up word, right? So we use that word warm-up, which can drive people to do the correct thing, mm-hmm. light exercise before you go heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Prep the tissue before you go heavy. Get the tissue contracting well before you push it harder. The challenge in that is it's not a temperature change thing. Mm-hmm. Like anything above 98.6, we call a what? Uh, fever, yes. I guess. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, the way I see people use that inappropriately, some people use it great. But what we'll do is because it's called a warm-up, because we think of it as a temperature thing, people go in the gym, hop on the bike, they do 20 minutes, break a sweat, and then they do their heavy bench. Did that prep their upper body for bench at all? No. Uh-uh. What should they do before they do heavy bench? Push-ups or something? Light Get bench. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Light upper body exercises. <laughs> so... Thinking about the joints and the activity that you're going to do. Like we, I saw you the other day hiking the fire road. Mm-hmm. It's pretty steep, mm-hmm. which means you need a lot of dorsiflexion in your ankle, which is typically a place which is the motion of pulling your foot up so that you can plant your foot so you can drive off. A lot of people are limited in that motion, which means, aka, your calves could be tight or the muscles that pull you into dorsiflexion aren't strong so like in the gym what's the what's the exercise we have for ankle motion calf raises yeah calf drops calf raises yeah we don't do front of calf pulls Mm -hmm. we don't strengthen the anterior part of our calf so we're limited in that range of motion and if we're weak in that front of the part of the calf and we're really strong in the back part of the calf it's gonna what Tight not, knot, yeah, not up. Yeah. Not up. And a knot isn't something structural. It's just a hyper contraction. So is foam rolling bad then? Is that what you're I can't say that. If like Aaron gave a gave a example where he had a tight IT band, right? The interesting thing, like with an IT band, it's just a piece, thick piece of fascia, which muscles in your hip attach to. Your glute attaches to it in the back and your Tensor fascia lata, your TFL in the front attaches to it. So they've taken T- they've taken IT bands out of cadavers and put them between the bumper of two cars, drove them the cars opposite direction. They had zero link change. Oh, really? So actually your IT band can't get tight. I'd be like saying, man, my rope, my rope got tight. Sounds kind of silly. Yeah. Now the muscles that attach to it and the muscles under it can get tight. And if I do a little bit of foam rolling and I do a little bit of light stretching and that problem gets better and never comes back, 
it was probably something that we just needed to dial down the tension in. But if I got an area of my body, like my calves, they always tighten up. They always tighten up. I foam roll them every night. I stretch them every night. And after every workout, it feels like somebody's put tight rubber bands in there. Is that solving the problem? No. It'd be like going, it'd be like going to the archery range, right? And I'm shooting groups this big. And they tune my bow. And it's perfectly tuned. And my groups are this big. Did we solve the problem? What's the problem? Probably my shitty shot. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's how I look at all this stuff. I get people that come to me. They're frustrated. They've tried all the traditional stuff. They're using some words like stretch or even tight. But let's break it. The reason why I wanted you to hear this is I think with what you're from the first podcast we did and, and trying to wrap my head around it, you would be hard pressed to make me believe a foam roller and some stretching to the IT is bad. But then if you trans, meaning you never said it was, but meaning you'd have a hard time me talking out of what I did. There, there's a different option that might be better. But when you go to my calves, which I haven't had a calf problem since your podcast, since we talked about it, because I stopped doing all the traditional shit that seemed to make it worse. Well, I could also probably give you some things mm -hmm. if we got together yeah. and you let me do this one-on-one -on -one thing you, with you and assess you, Yeah. right? If we get together and do that, yeah. I bet I could give you some things. You stopped. See, where the things make me nervous is when we're using things and they're contributing to the problem. Right. Like if you foam roll and you stretch and you have no problems, perfect. That's what I'm trying to get across to listeners. Most of them are probably thinking the same thing Frank is, is there's no fucking way what this guy says makes sense, which is what I thought when you first started talking, because I'm thinking of what worked for me or what fixed it, which I don't go into my calves being a 15, 20 year problem. I think of my IT band fix, getting fixed from, from a foam roller and from stretching. But I kind of leave out that my calves are still a problem. So I kind of applied to my calf muscles what you talked about, not what I did to my IT band because my calves never got fixed. They never went away. Well, they do now. I don't have any issue. So I, I listen to every podcast. I've mm -hmm. listened to every podcast from number one. Mm -hmm. So my background is I didn't hunt until two years ago. So I've only hunted one season. Last year I hunted with a compound. Uh, this year I'm going to hunt with a recurve, which I don't know why I'm doing that. It's probably <laughs> the most challenging mistake I, I've made, but I like mistakes, right? In listening to all the podcasts, Aaron likes really stiff boots, right? We both do, yeah. Which will lead to your foot not having to do as much work. And if you like that, great. But any tool that you use, and boots is a tool, any tool that you use all the time will lead to potential issues in other areas. A lot of the muscles in your foot that attach in your foot also attach up in your lower leg. So like when you say calf, I think gastroc, soleus, uh, posterior tibialis, peroneals, uh, Fletcher hallucis longus, Fletcher digitorum longus, all these muscles. That's what we think of. Totally, right? <laughs> so there's all these muscles that sit in your calf and go in your foot and control motion. Well, if the boot's doing all that motion, right? And 
stiff boots aren't good or bad. They're a tool. But if you're always wearing something stiff, what's probably happening to the strength of your feet and the muscles that go into your calf? Are they working harder or lighter? Potentially. Or, yeah. Potentially. Definitely the foot. Should some of your work be done in something less stiff to help build the strength in those things so they don't stiffen up so hard that it makes you uncomfortable and does this. I'm giving Frank the bird. <laughs> yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah. The hard part is with each of you guys, I'll tell you right now, I don't know. I'm just throwing out potentials. And if the potentials make sense, you got to give me a shot to try and make a change. Otherwise, I'm just an idiot talking shit. Well, tell I think Frank, my, give him, yeah, well, I think him uh, last year my calves were, were pretty bad, but I started talking with uh, Austin, yeah. our chiropractor. He does a little bit of physical therapy and chiropractic stuff. And he suggested that I uh, floss tape and foam roll before I work out. And that's helped a lot. And also talked to another guy that was that does the kind of like the same stuff. Uh, his name is uh, Josh Satterley, Doctor Josh Satterley, and he suggested that I was having issues in my calves because of um, weaknesses in my hamstrings, which is all a gas, right? But if I put you on the table and we do some positional contractions, and we see exactly, <laughs> we see exactly where you can contract and where you can't, yeah. we'll know better. Like, hey, man, I can't shoot a group at 80. What's my problem? Multiple. Who knows? Loft. Yeah. <laughs> Could who be know? anything. Yeah. Why'd you say who knows? Because uh, only you know, or I guess only I would know once I watch you. Yeah, I have to How see. How am I going to know what your problem is? And anybody that gives you advice is doing what? Guessing. Just like I would be. I'm throwing out to you guys what I see. Like you weren't here, Aaron, when we talked about an IT band. Mm -hmm. So an IT band is a thick piece of fascia. Fascia changes length way less than muscle tissue does. So what's the tissue that, the, um, that sticks together that, that doesn't let you move back and forth? That's fascia. A, the, all, the fascia? Of it, all of it could, depending on how you train it, your inflammation levels, your nutrition levels, your hydration levels. So it could not allow it to move slide back and forth. depending on poor nutrition, depending on hydration levels. If you get a surgery and they cut through it, right? That could cause the levels to adhere together. But this is my thing is muscles are set up at such a disadvantage. So if I put a dumbbell in my hand, it's 10 inches from my elbow joint. My bicep attaches an inch. So this has got to come up with 100 inch pounds to hold 10 in my hand. Is there any way I could put that much force on this tissue by smashing it? Or is a contraction going to put more force into the tissue than anything I could do to it externally? So the contraction would then, right? Yes, just because of physics. So what I was going to say though is I feel like uh, my calves felt tight and by doing the um, floss tape and the foam rolling before working out, it loosened things up. I'm doing quotes. Yeah. quotes I, don't know, I don't know if I'm talking <laughs> right it, here. It, it reduced the tone of the tissue. Yeah. So yeah, it loosened things up. It reduced the contraction. Right. And it allowed me to use my calves 
as I, as I wanted to. And it's helped. I don't have, I don't feel like I have calf issues anymore. Perfect. And, uh, as bad, I mean, they're definitely, they definitely get fatigued, but, um, yeah, I definitely try to, to, uh, use the floss tape probably twice a day and then foam roll before working out and then before bed. Well, this is, if we, if we added in some other lower leg and foot exercises, we could probably build, like, the only thing we do in the gym for strengthening with calves or ankles is calf raises. But your forefoot, right? So you got your ankle, which is down and up. Basically a sagittal plane motion, right? It's pushing down, pulling up. But your heel twists in and twists out. Your forefoot on your rear foot goes up and down itself, in and out, and up and down this way. And there's specific muscles that do all that. So when you go in to work out, how many forefoot adductions do you do? And abductions do you do? And inversions do you do? And eversions do you do? If we added just a little foot routine into your workouts, it could get stronger and you might not have to do all that stuff every day. Because if you stop doing that, what would happen to your calves? They'd probably get tight again. What about like hiking on... Uh in like shoes, does that help your foot workouts? If the foot is functioning well. Yeah. So here's, I read a shit ton about the the five fingers and the guys running in them and, and uh, because the I same guy kind of tell me the spiel you did about stiff boots, that they were the devil. Not, you didn't say that, but he did. Well, um, I don't think they're the devil. Again, it's a tool. Well, in his, his mind, if you didn't use your foot the way God designed it, and I'm like, well, look, man, we're not cavemen. So from birth, we're raised to use footwear. And so it's weakening the foot every day of your life for, in my case, 42, three years here. And I didn't wear wasn't running around and yeah barefoot as a kid I didn't really ever wear shoes like that and so I kind of have to wear with anything aggressive a stiffer boot because my foot has been trained to not be able to to handle it more or less and so he you know of course he has had foot fractures in his feet from running in in five fingers as well but you know his kind of deal was you need to start wearing something super flexible as often as possible to build up the strength in your foot. See, but I think that's a mistake because if I did that to you right now, it'd be like asking you to go in the gym and go, you know what? Your chest is weak. You need to start benching 600 pounds. Mm -hmm. I would tell you, yes, go barefoot for an hour mm -hmm. around the house. The difference between strength and weakness and Strength and injury is progression. Mm -hmm. It's all about progression. We want to do what we can't do so we can do more, which makes no freaking sense. Do what you can do, which means then you can do it more often and slowly build what? But if your foot's not functioning well, having you go in a really flexible foot would be like asking you to run a marathon the very first day. And he wasn't asking, he wasn't saying that I should do it all the time. What he was saying is if you're wearing stiff boots all the time, you need to get your ass into wearing nothing barefoot or something flexible as often as you can to counteract losing potential strength in the stiff foot or the stiff footwear to if you're walking around the house if you're at the archery range wear sandals wear flip-flops wear a flexible shoe i mean do you think that that's true or no 
I think there's a step before that. Mm-hmm. So your body weight and friction on the ground and all of that stuff is a lot of resistance for a lot of people. So we might start with just some positional contractions. If I put you in a couple positions and every time you contract there, you get a cramp. It just means that's too much load for that tissue. The hard part is that may help, but it may be too much for you. And if it's too much for you and it doesn't work and you get worse, well, that ball guy's full of shit. (laughs) That didn't work. The only way I'm going to know what's appropriate is to spend some time with you. See what happens. If I say, hey, Aaron, wear flexible shoes and we check the strength of your feet week one and you come back week two and it's worse. Yeah. It doesn't mean what we're doing is wrong. It just means it's too much. Just troubleshooting, basically. Like this is what I've learned about shooting my trad bow. I heard you say one time I shoot like 200 arrows a day. So I'm like, well, I'll do try to do half. And the crazy part is after 50, I get worse. I get frustrated. My confidence goes down. So I go in the backyard and I shoot 14, two rounds of seven. And then three hours later, I go shoot 14. Yeah. And then three hours later, I go shoot 14. And it's getting awesome. Let's break this down because people, I would say generally on this podcast, listen and hear what they want to. No shit. And it's fucking irritating because, and I'll reply back to guys and say, well, you heard what you wanted to. You didn't hear what we were saying. It's exactly about exercise. But they're going to hear what they want to uh, from what you're saying and, and maybe not what you're actually saying. So if a guy is pro five fingers... Uh, footwear, he's going to say, well, that bald guy said those are the best. That's what you should be wearing, which that's not what you said. You said basically that there's a tool for every job. Yes. And so, Frank, you wear tennis shoes quite often compared to, I'm in boots all the time, um, pretty much all the time. I I mean, when I'm around the house, I'm in my bare feet. But to say I could go, if I had to go walk to, uh, I don't know, Wadsworth from here and bare feet, it'd, it'd be a fucking problem. Oh, I mean, yeah. you could do it. But so the reason why I have gone the route I have is I hunted in tennis shoes and super flexible footwear. I didn't have any issues from it in the no, no calf problems, no foot problems. But I did it. Well, I say no foot problems. My arches dropped. My, my feet flattened more from super heavy weight and not enough support. And so then... I just was like, I like stiff boots anyway. I just wear them all the time. Well, the and the support, the reason an arch would drop is because the muscles are weak. Mm-hmm. The arch isn't just a structure that has structure. Like, you're, this is the cool thing about a foot. It can be a rigid lever to drive you forward or a mobile adapter. Mm-hmm. Well, when you say that oh, it's not strong, it's not strong enough to carry... 250 350 pounds no so what can you could you prep it for that well i carried that 80 pound bear out in something that's just as flexible as that if that that does not count if you to me you did it one time and you did it not nearly very very far what about four four miles so if you did it with um year let's see four or five times a year and you did it for six miles and you did it with 150 pounds on your back 
in one season, I gained over a half a shoe size. Uh, and I'm not arguing with you in the sense of you probably can do it. And this is what I want to make sure. I, but I've been training that it, for 10 years. That's that's exactly what I'm getting at because people are going to hear what they want. For me, I hadn't been. And I I was I didn't have any issues with like blisters and all the things that would normally stop a person. I didn't have an issue that I knew I was having until too late because I hadn't been using, you know. Wouldn't you be concerned like like wearing those shoes there? I think more than for my feet, I'm more concerned like uh, side healing, like spraining an ankle, no ankle support. And you can, but, but wh- you could say like, yeah, I have strong ankles, but if you fucking roll your ankle, you're going to have a broken ankle, you know, <laughs> if, with a lot of weight like that. If you have weak ankles. Yeah, but you, you, you could have the but strong, you, Aaron has strong ankles and I've seen him roll his ankle before. Like, yeah, but in the same sense when you're side healing. Right. So aren't you worried about tearing a ligament in your knee? Why don't you wear a knee brace? Mm. Aren't you worried about popping a hip? But I feel like, no, because I feel like the ankle is a much we- a weaker... Um, for most people, yes. Weaker joint, right? It could be. For a lot of people, I would agree. Yeah, so if you're taking a, an odd step on weird terrain, the ankle's the first thing to rotate. But this is the thing is, the boot will never support you yeah. as much as your muscles could. So if you had both, if you had both, <laughs> if you had the strong ankle... And the boot, wouldn't that be the best solution? Definitely, yeah. So should you train it? Yes. That's all I'm saying. Well, and, and so here's because this is where the, the the problem lies with in, including me starting out, there was a at the time I just wore normal boots well, years ago and and South and Cameron did some type of a video. Cam was more my, you know, stiff boot method, you know, idea. He's not now, but he was then. Yeah. And South wore Shitty shoes, just shitty boots, right? We're super flexible. And he's like, okay, they will wear and tear, and I know I have to do that. Well, I so I thought, well, man, maybe I should wear flexible f- footwear. You know, I, it makes sense. And I, my cab, I don't, my calves don't roll. I, they just, I don't, I don't, I, maybe once in 10 years, I've so, course, sort of kind of twisted an ankle. Uh, so I'm like, I'm a perfect candidate for for flexible footwear and, and shoes. The problem is, and there's, it's for people listening, because some asshole's going to call me and say, dude, you are wrong, is no matter what you do, you have no padding on your ankle. And I'm not talking about twisting it. I'm talking about slamming it into a rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's not, because I'm like, dude, if you're hunting sheep and tennis shoes, more power to you. But when my foot comes off a rock and wedges into a hole, you don't have any padding, but a sock. That that's a problem. Um, yes. But you can wear flexible, you know, nine inch shoes. That'll pad your your ankle. And that's what I was getting. I'm like, dude, if you can handle it, don't talk to me. I'm the last guy. But what I can say is, if you've hunted in gentle terrain or steep terrain without boulders, crossing a boulder field where you can slam your ankle into rocks and things like that, or deadfall stobs coming off of branches. That's a different animal altogether. I just, for, with everything I've done, when those arches dropped, um, and my, my, my shoe size now is a 12. I was like 11 at one time. Um, I don't, th- if I trained all year long in flexible footwear, maybe it wouldn't have happened. But instead, I just trained in normal, you know, had work boots on and then threw tennis shoes, flexible Solomons on for hunting. Where I think some people get in trouble is they'll listen to us. Let's take Henry Ferguson. 
Henry hunts in terrain that's not as aggressive as where Frank and I hunt, but he's successful where he hunts. They think Henry's a mule deer hunter. He's successful. He's and, the not trained, to, not, yeah, fit, not to fit to hunt, to hunt guy. Yeah. yeah. So then you go and you do what he and I did uh, last year, or what you know he same you know whatever same thing sheep hunts. Uh, there's no way you could ever convince me that a guy wearing tennis shoes would not get his ass eaten alive where we go. I mean, and it happened last year to Omni. He was wearing tennis shoes, and he got fucked up because he was side hilling. Well, <laughs> listening to the podcast, listening to the podcast last year, I I was like, I, I gotta fucking find some goddamn boots. <laughs> like I was freaked out. I was like, holy shit! I don't know what I'm doing. I gotta get some boots, and. I tried boots and I was like, my feet feel like shit. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do what I do. Fuck it. Let's see how I do. And when I hiked that bear out, it's the first time I hiked with more than 50 pounds on my back. So I had 80 pounds worth of bear and then 20 pounds worth of my pack. So it was close to 100 pounds. And I got to the trail and I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm fucked. Hunting season's over. Well, I gave myself three hours because I work out a lot and everything recovered. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to go on elk tomorrow. So I think anything's possible, but I've been working on foot and ankle strength for 10 years. Super specific foot exercises. Could we get Aaron to be able to wear a flexible shoe? Sure. Maybe over the next three to five years. Could you guys make me as good a hunter as you in the next two hours? No. Is it a five-year process? <laughs> or a lifetime, yeah. Ten-year yeah. process? Yep. So could I make you, could I get you to the point where we could get you to hunt in a flexible shoe if you gave me three to five years? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, that's doable. So here, though, but I... But it's a time frame. But... But I'm not pro if this is the thing I've learned about hunting. If you go into the backcountry, and obviously, does he sound confident that you could do it with a flexible shoe? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, no, not not necessarily, but I think. So the thing that I've learned about hunting, it's all about confidence, which is what fucks me up about this podcast. I make a choice to do something and then you guys change. I'm like, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not that way, but people that listen. Well, if you if you have no that's because you have experience. Well, oh, oh, let's This let's. is why I'm super comfortable and confident about this exercise thing. Like, could I get someone to where their foot will where their ankle will the likelihood of an ankle sprain goes down to 5%? I'm 100% confident I can do that. I just have no idea what the time frame is going to look like. It might take two years for you. It might take six months for you because you're young, you're strong, you're dedicated, and you'll do the work. He's very attractive. You think it's a good idea to maybe train using both? Shoes and boots? They're both tools. Well, if you're going to use the stiff boot, if I put a stiff boot on, I'd get blisters all over the place. That's just because you have found a set to fit you, though. Well, that's because I don't train in them, though. Yeah. It's because maybe they either don't fit me or I don't use them regularly and my foot's used to more motion. Well, I've gone to plaid totally. He'll tell you, I work out 
in my boots. I, I go to the gym in my boots. I'm like, I'm going to wear these things all the time so anyway. So the only what is that thing- uh, workout dude's name? The big, huge muscle-up guy that always wears... Oh, uh, yeah. The <laughs> only thing that makes me nervous for you about that is if that's the weak link mm-hmm. and everything works together, it may get so weak over time yeah. that it causes other things. Yeah, and I totally buy that. I can. That I it can't. causes other things that you're not going to be able to correct until you start to strengthen the feet, and it's not as easy as putting a fucking flexible goddamn <laughs> shoe on your foot. That'd be like just saying, "Hey, man, how do I improve my accuracy?" So I want to get more accurate. What arrow do I use? We get that all the time. What fucking arrow do I use? <laughs> like that's where in listening to the podcast, I got the same issue. With exercise, people are fucking stupid. They think there's a simple thing, do this and it'll get what? Yeah, that's probably why all those uh, like uh, things on Facebook are so uh, successful, like the the pyramid scheme uh, workout yeah. uh, workout juices and shit and teas. Let, let me get people re- want a quick fix. That's re- what you're re- getting at, right? Rewind this, this is too. why if I started working with you guys, right, yeah. on a regular basis, you guys would be easy. Because you know what the hardest part of this whole thing is? Hmm. Doing the goddamn fucking work. (laughs) This is why I know in 10 years as a hunter, I'm going to be successful. Like I I had a pretty successful last year. I didn't consider it because I didn't fill all my tags. But who does that? Who fills all their tags every year besides you? And him. (laughs) No, There's a few people. But the thing, though. Would you expect that in the first year? No, not unless you have a lot of money. Uh, money can buy anything. Um, no shit. But if you, I want to rewind this with you're talking about the listeners. Um, totally to go into this has to do with trad, but the same thing. Uh, the trad lab push guys did this huge uh, test on four inch, five inch, you know, three fletch, four fletch, all these different uh, type of fletchings. Okay, and Tom Clum and I both shoot five fletch, both successful, both shoot, five inch or three five inch. I shoot four fours now. I went the Guess other what? way. Yeah, that's what I shoot. You know why? Hmm. Because you, because Tom told me to do it, yeah. and you do it, and it's what I fucking got. It's not goddamn changing. <laughs> well, these there were so many people after this guy did, and I like Cody. He he shot through a machine or whatever, and he his his data came up with its inferior three five inch we're doing a podcast to tom and i to talk about what he missed because you can't you got to add a lot of human error into that and you can't convince me that three five inch with bad form isn't going to correct a broadhead better than smaller veins or feathers and but people heard what they want and i don't know how many people called me and came in and got their five inch feathers stripped off and put for two and a half or three inch on because of they heard what they they wanted to and so with this um i'm not gonna you know there's certain times you just have to have a little bit stiffer more aggressive not just because your ankles or you know you got shale and, and durability you go on a sheep hunt with those, the sole will fall off. Doesn't have anything to do with your feet. Well, that's what I was worried about. Yeah, your your footwear will just fall apart. I mean, there's no way around it. And so you have to have some common sense to this. So can you, as a professional soccer player that's turned into a hunter with some of the strongest ankles known to man who can walk barefoot for miles, 
can you, uh, do you have the ability to go on a aggressive hunt in shoes? Probably. You'll have to definitely walk slower though and be more careful because of less protection. Well, and the other thing is- And less external support. Y- you you also have the chance of the foot, the, the footwear falling apart and then you're going to be barefoot. And no one's that, well, no one I know is that tough going to go on a sheep or a mountain goat hunt in, in socks, right? You got to have footwear. So this is where the common sense comes into play where I'm like, hey, man, if you really like flexible footwear, then get a, get something like a Solomon, okay? It's super flexible. It leaks like a sieve. You obviously don't have an issue with that, but it's probably not going to fall apart during your, your hunt. Don't You don't need to wear a mountaineering boot where Frank and I, I don't know whose boot's stiffer, probably yours right now a little bit, but neither one of them flex really at all much. But I've seen Frank twist his ankle pretty much every hunt. I'm flat-footed. so my ankle... Which isn't a bad problem. Right. The best athletes in the world, completely flat feet. Boom. So, you hear that? I, mine are flat, too. <laughs> oh, so, shit. I, yeah, I was flat, flat isn't a problem. It's how strong is it in the positions you can get it in. Yeah. Well, so this is what I'm curious about is could you get Frank to where he is in the position of I'm in of we're talking once every decade. Do I twist an ankle? Well, well you've known me four years. I've never seen him actually injure I've seen him roll his ankle, but, but it didn't get injured. That's just as bad on a hunt. If my shoe fell apart or I twisted my ankle, it's going to end the hunt the same way. Yeah, yeah. But and the nice part about my shoes being like I was worried about that after listening to the podcast, like my shoes are going to freaking fall apart. But the nice part is my shoes weigh six ounces. So you know what I do? Do you bring extras? Yes. <laughs> you get your ass eaten alive on a high country hunt with those shoes. I would shoes. say I would, just, I would love to you wear any traction either. I'd love to wear I would love to that's, wear That's why I've been messing with different flexible shoes that have different amounts of traction. I, I would love to wear Solomons on a on a on a mule deer hunt because they're quiet and they're flexible, like you're saying. But you're the, scared the, about your ankle. The, well, that and the durability. I mean if I did that, I would bring boots. Like I would hike in with boots, and then maybe if I went on my stock, I'd put on the Solomon's, I've, which is a good option. I've looked at a which what I would somebody would design a little bit higher top tennis shoe, and the the part going up over the ankle has nothing to do with support. It's just got some padding, so when I slam my shit into a rock, there's some padding there. So, but what I'm getting at for listeners, you're saying probably you could get Frank if you had time with him, strong enough in his ankle, whether it be six months or six years, you would pin, you would tear him apart, break him down, figure out what's wrong, and rebuild where his structure of his ankle would be far more than where it is now. Where the functional part of his ankle, I can't change the structure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The You're genetically what he's fucked, got. sir. No. <laughs> yeah, so my ankles go in, right? Like, because of the flat and footed. When I watch him walk, when he twists one, it's epic. It's fucking like rolls but way I, over. Like I'll roll my ankle, but I generally I don't, I don't ever sprain it. I haven't sprained an ankle in a long time, but I will uh, have like rubber ankles. Little, Which little would tweak. Tell me that there's stuff in there that controls those motions. Mm-hmm. So this is what I've tried to become over the last 25 years since 1994. Is I've studied anatomy, I've studied function, I've studied mechanics, and then. Everybody's got the best program. I'm like, for who? <laughs> it's like the fletching thing. When is three inch better and when is five inch better? 
I'm sure you can find a situation where everything is better for something. Well, how much I of it? I suck at archery, which means it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> I think it kind of like the diet lady was talking about yesterday, which I think some people would be frustrated about, but it's uh, it's something that work. You have to figure out something that works for the individual more and than anything. Then, what the crazy part about the human body is, once you figure out something that works and you do it over a long period of time, it becomes less effective because you adapt, and then you have to do what. Change. Change, yeah. So, so diet needs to be variable. Exercise, intensity, duration, speed, all that stuff needs to be what? Variable. Now, if you're a creature habit and the only way you're going to do it is if I do the exact same fucking thing all the time, just know that's not the most effective. So as, as far as um, we're talking about footwear a lot here, but which I like, I'm in 100% agreement with Frank. I don't think I could pull it off well I could but I mean I don't want to pull it off in just a tennis shoe I would like more of a mid flex well well, I would just like something that goes over my ankle just I it's weird I feel like my shoe's going to fall off so I'd want something a little bit higher but definitely once we're back there not packing out but stocks and maneuverability a more flexible boot would be our shoe or what but then you got to pack in more fucking footwear, right? Yeah. So, I mean, but this thing is if you get something that's light, the packing and the extra thing isn't that big a deal. And for me, you know what I'd like? I'd like something that's flexible, waterproof, and doesn't fall apart. Yeah, there ain't much Good of that around. Fucking yeah. luck. <laughs> well, hopefully, something, somebody listening, right, will want to put that together, see a need for it. I'll, I'll help with design. Yeah. Well, I can tell you the other thing, too, like you talk about waterproof. You can't if, find flexible shit that's waterproof. No, and then when you get your foot's wet and, and it's already prone to moving around and something flexible, you get side hilling and you get hot spots and blisters because, you know, your foot's constantly shifting a little. And when it's wet, obviously, that's a so recipe for disaster. what I've been messing with this year is uh, this company, Vivo Barefoot, makes this uh, Attilo Swim Run Shoe, which is basically like a sock. And I wear a super thin either wool sock or like a you know those socks you see the bikers wear that are like super thin yeah right so i've been wearing that with a shoe that just ejects water yeah so like i can walk across streams my feet get wet but within 10 minutes because of the heat of my foot yeah it all dries out and because it's like a sock and it's super tight I thought for sure, I was like, fuck, I'm going to get blisters this weekend. I went out hiking last weekend and camped. And I probably did five miles in and five miles out. And I did a bunch of straight up. I did a bunch of side hilling. and Nothing yet? All I good? Had, I, I always worry about it because I'm like, okay, everybody says I'm going to get blisters. Everybody says I'm going to get hot spots. I was like, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. But I think if your foot's stable and it's not doing these weird quick motions because of weaknesses – there's less chance of blisters. And if you progress it appropriately, you should build strength in the skin where the difference between a blister and a callus is just progression. If I go out and rake the yard for six hours the very first time, I'm going to get blisters on my hands. But if I do an hour the first day and two hours the second day or an hour the first day, hour and 10 minutes the second day, hour and 20 minutes the third day, I'll start to build what? 
calluses, yeah. Callus, yeah. Calluses. So all of it's progression. Like there's pros and cons to everything. There's pros and cons to everything. Like you like CrossFit. Everybody has a tendency to beat you up for CrossFit. You guys bring up, <laughs> you guys bring up CrossFit more than I do. I but don't ever bring up CrossFit. But that's the funny thing is it's not good or bad. Yeah. There's some higher risk things and some lower risk things. When you add speed and numbers. I only don't like CrossFit because it took my friend from me. <laughs> well, but when you add speed and trying to get a set numbers to any lift, it increases that momentum of the load, increases the resistance in very specific places, which increases the risk. But if it keeps you consistent, fucking do it. Because the hardest part of anything is what? Uh, I, I would say staying after it. Consistency. Or, yeah, yeah. You got to keep hammering. Yeah. <laughs> what? This is How many times can you say, <laughs> right? Well, one of the other things is what happens is human nature. So Brian call. We were on a goat hunt, and he's Mr., you know, you can do this and that as far as kind of like what you're saying. It's mobility and, and everything else, lifting correctly, and there's nothing wrong with certain things. And, and he does have foot of a Native American and wears flexible footwear. And then he twists his ankle on the way out, and I got to pack his goat out. And I'm thinking, now, and I'm not saying this has anything to do with you, but it's human nature for me to think, oh, all right, dickhead, sure glad that all that shit you talked about me wearing stiff boots and not squatting correctly and you have really strong legs panned out for you because I'm packing your goat out now because you twisted your ankle. And I think what happens, and that's just an example of you as a, or me or him as a human, we're going to look for the negative side of what we want to and the positive side of what we want to. Because you want to prove yourself right. Oh, exactly. And I know guys in traditional archery that will call other traditional archers till they find one that agrees with them. And they're like, I knew I was right. Of course. We call enough people, eventually one is good. And there's a good situation for anything. Yeah. This is why I'm saying I don't have the fucking answers. Yeah. Until I spend what? Time with people, get to know them. I'm still looking for a group of hunters to adopt me. Yeah. I know Frank and I have been lazy. And I, I, I would have to say you and I are probably prime candidates for needing uh, some help because as I, for me, as I'm getting older, there's certain things that I can't tough my way through. See, the problem is, though, it's not a fucking age problem because time and consistency with exercise, because I'm five years older than you. You're saying it's not an age problem, but – Rewind time. I've Weak spent links. 40 years of doing the wrong shit and that's being abusing my body. But so that's not an age thing. That's a stupidity over time thing. But it still has to do with my age. If I was it, 20, okay. I wouldn't have this fucking problem because I'm 20. Well, now we've added you 22 still have the problem. It just hasn't built up with enough. That's my whole point. Yes. I've had it's this It's a time whole problem, time. not an age problem. Right. But it, because of my age, a lot of time is yes. behind it. Yes. So I'll agree with you. Frank is, what are you, 30 now? Mm -hmm. So Frank, in 10 to 12 years, it it's his age. He's going to have 10 to 12 more years of bad shit. Or... 10 to 12 more years of building a robust system. Right. And I've skipped that robust system in, in some things. But the problem is we take advice from fucking hunters on exercise. <laughs> <laughs>
people that don't even know what a fucking hip looks like or that a foot moves in different directions because someone's good at one thing. Yeah. I'm not going to the personal trainer at the gym to learn archery. Yeah. I'm also not going to the personal trainer at the gym to learn exercise either, either because exercise, this is the challenge, what I've learned. I learned how to lift weights from the biggest motherfucker in the gym who had no goddamn clue what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. They didn't understand physics, so they didn't understand resistance. Like if I said to you, Frank, the weight's not the resistance. Oh, this is what happened on the last podcast. <laughs> I'm going to step back. The weight isn't the resistance. <laughs> okay. What's that make you think? This guy has no fun clue what he's talking about. Well, I guess if you're getting like way into it, I guess it would be the position in which you're trying to lift position, the weight, right? Position, length of the lever, but right. also too. So I'm just going to throw this one thing at you, and I want you to mani- try to manipulate this in your workouts, right? So if I took a two-ounce weight, is it dangerous? No, no, I don't know. Well, no. wait a minute, though. What if I projected at you at 200 miles an hour? Are you talking about like a bullet? Yeah. So okay. does speed affect resistance sure yeah how many people think about when they lift weights the speed not enough no so is physics a part of exercise yeah definitely how many personal trainers do you think understand physics hardly any okay so if you start to manipulate speed in your workouts so what speed does the faster i move the quicker the resistance goes up for a period of time But then once I get it going, what keeps it moving? Momentum or inertia, Mm -hmm. right? So if I move something fast, I'm not doing that much work. If I do something slower, I'm going to get more consistent resistance over time, which means I'm going to do more work, which means I'm going to have less variable resistance, which is going to increase the benefit and decrease the risk. Nobody talks about risk and exercise. It's heavy loads really fast that injure you. Never, nobody ever got injured from driving a car 100 miles an hour. But if you stop it over two inches, that's where you get hurt, right? So would that mean kip-ups are bad? Kip-ups won't make you that much stronger. (laughs) They'll get you better at the skill of kipping up. But you have to do work to get stronger. So if I did a kip-up over two minutes, if I did a two-minute, one-rep kip-up, how hard would that be? Could anybody do it? One one rep in two minutes. One rep in two minutes. Meaning you have to... Take the full two minutes to do the one rep? Yes. Yeah, you couldn't do that. Because it's too much what? Well, what do you mean? Like do it, take it. Two minutes to do do one rep. So imagine going to the gym and doing bench. Oh, like super slow, like a negative. But you could do a chin up in two minutes or a pull up. And how many reps would you do? Well, no, I mean, you could do one rep. You'd probably do one rep over two minutes. You could because you could do slow, but But that's two minutes worth of work, which is two minutes of building strength. The reason I do a kip up, it's not going to really make me that much stronger. It's going to get me better at the skill of doing a what? Kip up. Yeah. This is the problem of using power lifting exercises to try to build strength. If you look at any power lifter, They only practice the power lift as a skill-based performance thing. They don't use the power lift to get stronger for power lifting. 
they do slow controlled positional strengthening. So this is the problem with using fast skill-based exercises to try and build strength. To me, it just sounds silly because there's less work because of the speed of the exercise. Right. So if you look at, let's say, um, oh, what's a good one? Oh, one-arm dumbbell snatches. Like I do those for cardio, not strength because they get you winded. But then when I go to a deadlift, it's a very slow, deliberate power movement. My, I, I get Once a little to build winded. horsepower. Yeah. Wants to build endurance. Perfect. So which one are you more? So this is where I got into an argument with a guy. Which one are you more apt to hurt yourself with? Fifty-five to sixty-five pound one-arm dumbbell snatches yes. or a deadlift? Yeah. Yes. That's what I said because there's way more of a violent movement as you're flinging it. But also, if you just look at the physics of it, right? What's going to hurt you more? slowly lowering 200 pounds down on your back or dropping a 50 pound dumbbell from two stories on your head. So that was kind of my point with the one arm dumbbell snatch was we were at the gym and and the guy was doing pretty heavy ones. And I'm like, hey, Slick Willie, you need to drop. You're going to fuck yourself up. And he was like, no, I'm trying to build strength. And I'm like, well, I'm not a professional at this, but there's a hundred other exercises you can build strength. That's more of a hit, a workout. And you can do a high intensity workout with, he was doing with 90 fucking pounds. I mean, the dude was a beast, but he wasn't, he was raw and he wasn't, he didn't have that fluid movement when he was doing it. And I'm like, hey man, you can do a lot of other shit than you can a one-arm dumbbell snatch with. I said, while it's impressive, you can even do them. You're going to hurt yourself, but bro science, whatever it was, in his mind... Heavier? Yeah, heavier, better. Stronger. Yeah. And so I'm like, to me, I said, when I do a deadlift with 400 pounds, very slow, very deliberate, and you could pull your back muscle, but with good form, you're good. But and a proper warm-up and a prop, like, proper progression. And Where I see guys screw themselves up on a deadlift more isn't on the way up. It's how they come back down because the up is slow. The down can be violent when you're first a rookie at it. So the interesting thing about the negative thing, right? When you're going up, you're creating the speed, right? You're speeding that thing up. What's trying to slow it down? Gravity is. Well, this is where the negative gets challenging. Gravity's trying to speed it up and you're trying to do what? This is why hiking down a hill is harder on the tissues, on the tissues, which could lead to harder on the joints because you're trying to slow gravity down. Whereas you go uphill, man, you're going to be breathing your ass off. It's not that hard on the tissue because gravity's slowing you down and you're trying to accelerate yourself. Yeah. Hey, I've got to, I've got to step out into a meeting. You guys need to finish this up. Um, the, one of the things with the up and down portion of what we're talking about that, because guys are like, hey, downhill is worse than, than uphill, which is generally the way I take that and the way I explain that is it's worse on your body, not on your lungs. No, it's, it's easy worse. on the lungs. Yeah, so kind of talk a little bit about that because I'm curious to what your thoughts are. Um, heavy backpack cardio or, or light or medium. Cause Both, all well, three. But so you're saying a guy should train with 100 pounds? Not very often. Okay. So talk about that a little bit because I've gotten into a few arguments lately where I'm like, look, 
that's a one time a year, one time every six months, one time every three months, just to see how the body handles it. That's it. Because I used to train with that all the time, and it fucked me up more. Now if I train 40 to 50 pounds, I'm farther ahead. All I'm really doing with the heavy weight is seeing how my body, is it rubbing a certain spot? You know, how's how, the pack How often fit? do you train with no weight? At, well, you walk around every day, so you. I know, train. but how often do you do the fire road with no weight? Like Never. the other day, I, the other day I did no weight. I know. I, I think, called you a pussy when I walked by. No, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, but <laughs> that day was specifically to work on speed. Yeah. That day was specifically to work on speed. Yeah, and I do speed where I'll drop to twenty-five pounds, but I never do it with no weight. And but aren't you going to stock something with no weight? But the re all the rest of my day is with no pack on, and up I it, walk but fast. Up and downhill? Oh, yeah, and stairs and everything Perfect. else. So that's the, way I, that's the only reason why not. But you guys take it over from, from here. Hey, uh, I might be idea. a pussy, but I'm not an injured pussy. No, I, I didn't say that that's at all. That's all good. You can call me a pussy. I'm <laughs> like, I'm good. <laughs> well, when you came up, I figured— Because we'll eventually yeah. we'll wrestle if we have to. <laughs> when you came up, I was like, I bet he's just going for— I hit high intensity. You're yeah, just, just trying speed. to get up the hill. You know, I was watching you walk up, and I didn't know it was you until I saw you. And well, I, I had to take my hat off. Yeah, once once we talked, I was like, "Oh, he's just trying to bust his lungs out." It's and it was a light doing. day. Yeah, it was a light day for me. You gotta have light days. You can't keep hammering all the time. That was four. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll be back in a minute. I got to go talk to Lisa. So, so speaking of keeping hammering every day, like. Uh, I guess Cameron Haynes runs a, a marathon a day. That's it's not sustainable. It's okay, right? So for your for your joints, like Aaron was saying, like like uh, it's great for making money. Yeah, it's great for motivation. Mm -hmm. It's great to show people that suffering is possible. But his body, like that's working out like a professional athlete. And how many professional athletes did you know that don't have to retire? Hardly all of none, them have to retire eventually, unless you're in baseball. So this <laughs> is so Frank. I got into hunting late in life. I'm, mm. I got into hunting at 46 years old. Right, dude. I've got maybe 30 years. I want to be able to hunt at 77, the same way I did at 47. And a lot of people are like not possible. I'm like, well, fuck you. I'll prove you fucking wrong. Yeah, but. Am I going to be able to run a marathon? Am I going to be able to, like, I specifically didn't do a crazy, really hard high mountain hunt last year because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Right. So I started with what? Something a little easier. And over five years, I got a plan of progression. But how many people you know think five years into the future? Hardly any. That's all I do. And we had, like, a couple of fitness people here yesterday, and that's what they were also talking about is – uh. If you have a goal without a plan, then you're never gonna. You're basically never gonna get there, or it's but gonna take you a lot longer if you, unless you do have a plan. Everybody thinks about the workout right now in front of me, and if I don't suffer, so there are some workouts that I take high risk. I bust my ass just simply to prepare for suffering. Should every workout be like that? Probably not. No. If I do every workout like that, should I be surprised when I'm injured? No. Yeah, it's, it's very likely. Dude, I have one religion. It's called rationalism, <laughs> right? 10 years from now, like last year when I came in and talked to Aaron, building up to hunting season last year, I couldn't even call myself a hunter. 
because I'd never had a tag in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I was a aspiring hunter, but like people are like, oh, you a hunter? I'm like, <laughs> no, now I can call myself a hunter. Right. But I busted my ass from February last year to September of last year. I killed a bear. I killed a deer. I got a guide for the deer. I hunted with Alex out on the east on the eastern plains. Mm-hmm. But I killed a bear on my own. I got fucking lucky as shit. I killed a deer and I killed three pigs in Texas. But I put in at least ten to fifteen, maybe twenty hours a week worth of listening to podcast, exercise stuff, shoot. Like I didn't do the exercise stuff that much because I already do it. I modified the way I did things, but. I did all that stuff, plus I shot a lot. And what I realized over that year was, fuck, there's a lot of rabbit holes. Right, yeah. So this year, I'm focusing more on scouting. I'm focusing more on annual. I didn't even know animal behavior was a fucking thing. I thought they just walked out close and you do what? But I was so new. The hard part is in this fitness thing, a lot of people are going to give you advice. And if they seem really sure about their answer, how many answers have I been 100% positive about? The answer is always like, for what situation? In what part of the progression? For what person? On what day? In what situation? With what, like I was listening to this podcast, this guy that Rogan had on, and they were talking about training MMA fighters. Well, they'll go against what logically makes sense if it makes the fighter more comfortable just because of confidence because the human mind Aaron's so unconfident about flexible footwear I would never ask him to do that because he know it's going to what? fail so what's going to happen? it's going to fail I thought it was going to fail and it didn't but I was just like I'm going to try it. I'm sticking to my guns Mm -hmm. because I kept looking for boots and looking for boots and I've tried every boot and I flex them. I'm like, I couldn't wear that because the same way, if you wear a flexible shoe in the backcountry, what would happen to your feet and ankles? They get beat up. Do you realize if I wear a stiff boot, the exact same thing happens to me? Right. Right. Because I have to fight the resistance of the stiff boot and my feet get so exhausted that my calves burn and my feet blow up. Because I'm adapted to something different than you are. What's better? Using what works for you. For who? Yeah, for yourself. In what situation? Now, if you, this is my suggestion. If you want to work on your weak links, if you want to get the small little pieces better, I could help. I'm a barter guy. If you want to help me figure out how to get better at the hunting thing. (laughs) But you guys are already doing that through the podcast. That's why I listen. Right. Because when it comes to hunting stuff, you guys have pretty unbiased advice. But you also caveat everything with, this is why I like the podcast. This is what works for me. Mm-hmm. So if someone's trying to, to find uh, what's going to work for them fitness-wise or say for their feet or whatever, what would be the best route they should they should follow should they find someone that that uh doesn't have all the answers yeah understands physics yeah if people want to hit me up and i can uh drive them towards maybe someone in their area but always too one of the best rules of thumb is 
progress it way slower than you think you should. You can always add more. If you hurt yourself, there's no takeaways, right? So you can always add more. Like I got to get ready for hunting season is a bad idea. I should get in shape. And if I do it appropriately, I'll be in the shape that I am for hunting season. It'd be way better to be in a little bit less shape and not injured than a little better shape with some major injury that hinders the hunting season because you overdid it. Like the idea that you guys work out year round and you prep year round, which means every season could potentially get what? Better. But age tells us we're supposed to get. Oh, worse. Yeah. So which is it? You know what I'm trying to do, Frank? Just stay the goddamn same. Because <laughs> yeah. like I do jujitsu. I'm 47. Most of the guys I train with are 30. And I can hang. If they continue to overtrain and get worse over time and I stay the same, who's going to be better 10 years from now? It'll be you, yeah. But I try to turn all the guys that I train with onto this uh, thought process. More of like it's like a, uh, like a lifestyle then, right? Anything that you're going to get good at. Like now I'm just a fucking archer. The thing that I like about the trad bow, it takes longer to get better at. Last year I got myself to where I felt super comfortable that I could shoot a paper plate at 60 yards. Fuck man. I've been shooting the trad bow just as long and I'm just starting to feel good with like 30, 40. Right. There's more variables. Mm -hmm. But if I get really good at the trad bow and I go back to something with less variables, do you think I'll be better? Yeah, for sure. Will I still have to practice that thing? Yeah, of course, yeah. That's mm -hmm. it. That's why I'm shooting it. Yeah. Plus, I just like things that are fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. Because it makes you what? Yeah, it makes you a better person. Makes you do more work. Mm -hmm. So I think we need challenges. The hard part is all your challenges can't be kicking your ass. And if you do... You need some success at times. You're going to wake up one day, though, and be really broken and not understand why because you were told mm -hmm. that... The more you hammer, the better. Mm -hmm. Some hammering is okay. <laughs> but like, think about your hardest workout. Immediately afterwards, are you better? Are you stronger? Immediately now. You're weaker. Right. What makes you stronger? Recovery. Right. How much time do you think about and put into recovery? That's probably something that's uh, one of the most overlooked things is it recovery be and resting. And that's what I do. The sessions that I do and how I take people through stuff, like positional contractions, building positional strength, all this stuff. Well, I haven't been able to get him to walk through the door yet. <laughs> so you should come down, see what I do. If at the end of the hour, you're like, this guy's full of shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, then no big deal. Mm. We, we won't continue the help thing. Mm. But if at the end of the hour, you're like, huh, have I intrigued your thought process at all? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So all I'm here to do is make you think because mm -hmm. there's just a lot of shit out there and it all is just common sense, man. It's common sense. There's three, I'll talk fucking all day long. There's three variables to manipulate and exercise. Intensity, frequency, and duration. If the intensity's high, frequency and duration can't be that high. If you want to do it every day, you just can't do it very hard or for very long. If you want to go really long, 
the intensity should be low and the frequency should be low. Like jujitsu for me. I love jujitsu. I started wrestling when I was seven. I love grappling. Like I was watching the videos of you guys wrestling at bear camp. I was like, Ooh, I wish <laughs> I could get around. Right. More with, with Luke, Luke than yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't be very long with me. Yeah. But see, the, that's a funny thing is though grappling with someone that's not that good. It's not fun. Cause it's not a what? Not a challenge. No. I like the challenge. So figuring out how to manipulate this, and I think your body can tell you. If your body's tightening up from every workout, something's too much. There should be some suffer workouts. To do what? I'm good at, that's my problem though. I think that's all of our problem. We're so good at the suffer that we're drawing out the weak links in our body and they're getting worse and we call it age. Issues will come with age, but they're not a necessity of age if you're smarter. Yeah, I totally can agree with that. I just, uh, for the most part, and, and nothing wrong with, um, um, you know, Cam is a super motivational guy. Of course, that's why he's awesome. But he's an overtrainer. It's not sustainable for most. Well, and I just say, I'm not saying it's not for him. I'm just saying, you know, he may be fine. What what people he need won't to realize? Be fine. Is, well, <laughs> I didn't if want you to look at him when he's sixty or seventy, he won't be fine. Like I listen to a lot of Rogan podcasts too. The guy takes a shitload of Advil and and all kinds of stuff. Well, dude, that means you're over. If you have to do that to maintain, that is okay short term. But if you have to do that long term, your body's eventually going to give you the double bird. And then if you take someone like him that needs that for his identity and for his mental health and you completely take it away, how much of a wreck is he going to be? I've known one guy um, well enough that I'd call a friend that was a um, ultra marathon, you know, very fit guy. And at 58, his knees were gone and he... He lost himself. He didn't know what to because he couldn't run anymore. And then he he tried, which made it worse. And so he didn't know what to do. And rowing wasn't getting it, or you know, swimming. Right? He just he, what he had done his entire life. He was he was a runner. He lost his identity. Yeah, he, which he, is he, my fear for people like that. Well, and I just don't want. So what did he do? Uh, you mean my buddy? He got fat as shit. Uh, he went into depression. I mean, I don't know what he's doing now. He, he was, he's a different person. He literally, it was one of those deals where I'm like, Hey dude, well just get more serious about, uh, you know, archery, backpack hunting, photography. He dabbled in all of those. And I'm like, just do that. I'm like finding a challenge. This is what I like about the struggle stick, right? I didn't understand what that meant. It was always kind of funny. I'm like, that thing's a fucking struggle, <laughs> but that's what I like about it. It's a challenge yeah. that doesn't beat the living fuck out of me. Just like this thing that Only I'm talking. Only mentally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But this is what my challenge has been since 1994. Study the body, study physics, study anatomy, help people put plans together. Which, dude, all you go down this rabbit hole of fitness, most people are just repeating what they've been told. That's how we learn exercise. Most personal training certifications, you take a two-hour exam, and now you're certified. And because I have experience, Frank, now I get to tell you what to do. Well, fuck. There's huge bodies of knowledge that you can study anatomy physiology 
I've chose to focus my expertise in physics and structure, anatomy, muscle function, all that stuff. That's where my bias is. Now, if you ask me physiology questions, but I think the biomechanics thing with the physics, the frequency, the duration, the loads, all that stuff, We'll sit down and we'll go, we'll break down on a whiteboard why a barbell bench press is way different than a dumbbell. Like a dumbbell, no triceps, no triceps, no distance of the weight from your elbow. The load runs right through your elbow. The reason a barbell bench press is different is because you have the friction of your hands trying to slide out on the board on the bar and the bar is connected in the center. So like, because we learned that a barbell bench press was chest, shoulders, and triceps, we just assumed that a dumbbell was the same. And if it was, if we could do 400 on barbell, we'd be able to do 200 pound dumbbells. And we can't because the resistance is different. But we could write it and write the physics of it. On, it's like the stupid thing of your knee over your toe, and that's why that's hard on your knees. It's got to do with the amount of force into the tissue. Like running on dirt is easier on you because it's softer. I don't think that's true. I think it's easier on you because you hit the ground and you slide. So there's less friction, which means there's less reactive force up through the body. That makes sense. It's got nothing to do with like, dude, that fire road, is it softer? No, no. Than concrete? Probably not, not much anyway. Is it slipperier? Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is going to make it less, yep, reactive, less reactive force, right? Yeah. Which is going to skew the line of force less away from your knee, which is going to be less force on your knee. So running on slippery surfaces is good because of less friction, but you'll be slower because there's less. Yeah, so if it dissipates less force when you land, it also doesn't transfer as much force when you push off. So you'll be... Slower. Did I say it was good or bad? No, I didn't say either. We just talked about the what? Variables. You know how many variables there is to everything? Yeah, a lot. How many fitness professionals think you know all the... I'm not saying I'm better than them. But I pick things out. I delve into things as deep as I can go. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Before I forget, Frank, are you late? For shooting? Yeah. No, I told him I'd be there later. Okay, cool. I got I to gotta be at an appointment. I have an appointment starting at 8. We have so. nothing important to do other than yeah. shoot our bows, to That's be honest cool. with you. Yeah. But like, <laughs> this is, you, you know what would be a fun thing to do is you have put a pod, like, you know how you did your question thing the other day? I can't yeah. believe you fucking do that. Jesus I Christ. That's crazy. Well, thank you, because it's fun. And it, I like the funny part of it, too. But put a question thing out. Say, hey. Send your fitness-related, injury-related questions in. I'll come back and we'll talk through potential. I won't have answers for anybody, but people that want an answer, we don't work well together. Yeah. People that want potential ways of thinking through so you can help yourself, I'm great with that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like mess with the speed thing when next time you go to workout. Slow everything down to half speed. You're going to have to cut the weights in half because you're going to do more work because you have more consistent load over a longer period of time. Does that mean your wad will go down? <laughs> <laughs> but see, the, the, the only issue with that is because you put numbers on the board, you're going to have a tendency to want to go faster, which increases the potential injury. 
because it increases the load. But I didn't say it was good or bad. But this is the problem with comparing your numbers every time. You can get the exact same amount of strength with a heavy load or light load as long as you're just as fatigued at the end. And my thing, unless you're competing, which one of you guys is competing in exercise? Well, so why the fuck would you take a bunch of risk? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I am. The risk should be on the side of a what? Cliff. Yeah. The risk should be trying to get to the biggest freaking animal. Save your risk for that. But everybody wants to do all because exercise is all good. Air quotes. Yeah. No, I, so I, I read that. Well, I don't want to go into this too long. I read a, a book that, that um, basically it's two 40-year-old men that were extreme athletes that started to fall apart. Um, one bent over to get his daughter's book bag, pulled his back out. You know, the other ones tore an ACL walking his dog. And these guys, one took, what's that, um, the deal in Hawaii where you, uh, Ironman. he took third in that Ironman. Um, so he was high level and he's like, my fucking body's falling apart at 45. Of and course. what he had talked about was pretty much everything you're talking about. And it was an interesting book because he was like, you know, you go to the gym, you, you got a hammer, right? You, you gotta, you gotta go in there and beat the living crap out of yourself or you don't get anything out of it. And he's like, but what I found was I could actually rotate or, or reposition my workout in the sense of, do I need to go in and run? Do I need to run 10 to 20 miles a day? No, no, I can do that one time or two times a week. And when I lift, I can drop more kind of like what I'm doing now, just because I want longevity. I can work out every day, but I have to drop that intensity level way down. But it speeds your recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And he takes less recovery time. And he said, I, he said, I'd learned so long, more pain, better. We're now less pain, better. Meaning I can do the same great workout, not the same. I can work out and get that, the whatever that's called that the workout gives you the endorphin, endorphin high and high. all that stuff. Yeah. I just, instead of doing what I had been doing, I've rotated it now to where I'm not, I can do curls every day. I just don't do high weight because I'm never sore. Now I'm just keeping the motion going, keeping the blood flow going. And it was a lot. I read it after the podcast we did. Do well, I say I read? I don't read shit. I listened. Um, but it was pretty amazing because he was talking about the guy that we, you know, 55, and now all of a sudden, you're popping pills to keep doing what you're doing. To, you know, he called it the identity pill. You got to take ibuprofen and, and muscle relaxers. You got to take all these pills to maintain your identity because you can't do it without the help of some painkiller. Well, the painkiller actually, the hard part about that is we, we understand now that the inflammation is actually good. Mm-hmm. To a point, it speeds the recovery. It brings white blood cells to the area. So if you eliminate all that, uh, all of that inflammation, yeah, you slow the healing process. You actually slow your recovery process. Right. So like you, cold therapy, right? I'm way into heat and cold therapy. So I do sauna every day and I do cold showers and it preps you for the backcountry, right? Mm -hmm. Like you hate cold. I know you hate cold. Well, as you say that. You could prep I, yourself for that. Well, no, it's it's different. I take at least three freezing cold showers a day. Perfect. And I have for years, and, and I take cold showers. It's not that I hate the cold. I lose total feeling in my hands. Yeah. I don't mind the cold. I just can't function as well. But I love when I, you know, I love jumping in a cold lake. I love a cold shower. The thing, though, that, that I found is when I've done like the, um, 
the 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 fifty five gallon ice bucket therapy. It 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 is amazing on your recovery when you're doing that compared to nothing at all. But what they've proven with that is you shouldn't do it within an hour or two hours of a workout because mm-hmm. it mutes the benefit. Yeah. Well, from what I read was it so has you to should do, do it when you should do it uh, not within an hour or two hours of the workout. Well, well, from what I read, they basically said you should before do before or after. You said. I wouldn't do it before. Yeah. They so said definitely a- don't after. after. After you've cooled down, heart rate's down, everything's back to normal, and everything's kind of tensed back up is when you do it. Yeah, then you get these cold shock proteins, and that helps your recovery. It helps your adaptation. It's all of this stuff is adaptation to stress. Cold is a stress. You can adapt to that stress over time. Some people are going to have structurally better ability to adapt to it than others. You have the, it sounds like you have some uh, artery blood flow blood stuff, flow stuff yeah. right? So you'll, you will maybe adapt as well as somebody else does, but you can still adapt it's better than you are It's just my hands now. though, because, and it's the same for everybody. If you get used to cold weather or, or hot, and let's say we're used to freezing cold weather in Colorado, February, and then we go to Alabama. 50 degrees, uh, we're sweating our balls off. Yes. Whereas an Alabamian is like, Jesus, it's cold. Or, you know, because our bodies are adapting to that cold weather and have been in it a long time. For me, my hands just get cold. Doesn't matter where I'm at. It's just a blood flow thing. Well, that's why I do, that's why I do heat therapy too. Like I bought this little sauna. I got a sauna in my backyard. So the other night I went to jujitsu, trained super hard with a bunch of monsters, came home, got in the sauna. And because my family's been out of town, I haven't turned the AC on yet. Well, I come in the house. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. The house is super cool in here. But it was 70. If I could have sworn, I was like, it's got to be 60 in here. But I just came out of 190 degrees. It was 80 degrees in the house. It felt like the air conditioning was fucking on. But the thing that I've realized is since I've been doing this for the last six months or so, I get out and I hike and I don't get that overheated, I have to stop and cool down thing. It's just my lungs. It's my breathing. Yeah. So I've adapted to this heat thing. And when I do jujitsu, I don't get this panicky overheated problem Mm -hmm. because I've adapted myself to heat over time. Yeah. It's just stress adaptation is all it is. And if it's done in the proper progression, you're going to get better. The thing that I worry about with people is these weak link areas. And then just changing little bits of training to build the weak link up so that we don't wake up when we're 60 and we blame it on age. And there's just one little weak link in the system because that say, what's that saying? You're only as strong as you are. Yeah, your weakest link. Yep. Well, the hard part is we have a tendency to ignore our what? Weakest link. Yeah. Makes sense. I have a tendency to drive towards the fucking weakest link. Because if I can get that part up, the whole ability level of the system does what? You might, but I would say the majority of people, they deflect off of the weakest link. I get it. I just don't let people do that. Yeah. I don't know. Frank, what would you say if you were going to pick apart something right now? What would your your weak, as far as body-wise go, what would you work on first? Jeez, I don't know. Leg strength? I, I see. So for me, I look at different. I got a lower back has been stiff lately, like for a while. But what if there was a way to figure that out exactly where it was? Well, that's what I mean. So my weak link now is I can't figure out. I don't consider a weak link something I can figure out because I can get around that. So you, know, you, you can work on it. You hire a specialist 
Yeah, why need to? So you, this is the thing. Come in and see me. If at the end of the hour you think I'm full of shit, okay, we'll go our separate ways. If at the end of the hour you go, oh, wow. Well, I'm kind I of stuck no, with you, so. No. I had no, I had no idea. Yeah. I have, I have Tom in for the first time today, right? Yeah. So we're gonna go through some stuff. We're gonna look at some stuff. I've been tasked with trying to get him back in shape. Yeah. He's worried about hunting season. I'm not worried about hunting season. Yeah. I'm worried about the next five years. Right. I want that guy to be my archery coach. And if I can get him in really good shape, you never know. Maybe he'll offer to take me out and <laughs> teach me how to swing a pointy thing. Yeah. That's not the that's not the motivating factor of doing it. I just want to help him because he's a nice guy. He's helped me a lot. And I just like helping people. Do you have allergies, by the way? I can hear the snot I, factory going I on. I have uh, because of all the weight cutting. I got these pops in my sinuses, and I've done a million things. I've had two surgeries on them. It's but, it's like Rice Krispies in your nose. Yeah, it fucking sucks, man. <laughs> well, but, but it's uh, my issue. Back, go, rewinding a little bit. What's your what do you think the weak link is? What would you work on? I don't know. I have to think about it more. I guess. Well, and that kind of shows. Like for me, I'd have to think about it. Man, in general, you don't really focus on those things. And if I really think about it, okay flexibility when i say that meaning i'm not the most flexible oh, yeah, guy for sure. in the world mobility right? my mobility my hip mobility is yeah the, but you know worst. what's fucked up about that my worst clients aren't tight people less flexibility to me means stronger so hold on so austin said i would never twist an ankle austin's a chiropractor he said you will never twist an ankle. You will only break one because your muscles are so tight around all of that. Is that bad? Well, I don't know. He, he didn't say it was bad or good. He just said when you have an ankle problem, it will be a major one because you're, everything's so strong around there. There's not enough flexibility. And he said super flexible people constantly twist ankles because it flexes so far past the realm of normal movement, they pass a point of no return and then it twists the ankle or whatever. Where me, I can't. Is that good or bad? I've never had an issue, so I'm going to say it's not bad. But that's the common thing. The worst clients that I see mm -hmm. are people that are crazy flexible with no ability to contract in the extremes of range of motion that they have. Those are the worst people. So flexibility isn't more range of motion isn't good or bad. It's just more range of motion. So if we could slowly increase your range without losing any of those contractile ability components. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And it, it certainly does as far as me twisting ankles or lower body issues. You know, I'll roll my ankle, but it just pops back up. Right. I, I have the ability to stop it, pop it back up with relative no pain. What he's saying, which I think you're agreeing with, is once I pass a point where my I can't, the pop stress it, is going to go into the into the bone, and then it'll break. Yeah, yeah. And so now with you, you you twist yours, but you don't twist them. I mean, you'll roll an ankle, and there'll be a. I think you get a well. He's sharp probably already pain. damaged the ligaments to the point where you can't damage them anymore, right? So you twist. You might have a little bit of joint stress, but you just like I tore my ACL. I could walk, I could run, I could leg press, I could squat, I could do all this stuff. They couldn't get a positive uh, torn ACL, but one position, my knee would give out. One position. The weird part is I got the ACL fixed and it still gave out in that position. Then I started positionally strengthening that position. Yeah. Now, 
getting the ligament fixed structurally helps it, but doesn't do anything for the function piece. And you got to hard work is the function piece and the proper. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm good at is hard work. Yeah. No, that makes total, total sense. And no reason why I brought up like the weak points or whatever. Like the only thing like right now, no calf issues, no, no issues in my body whatsoever. I've got the tendons and my elbows working pretty good is my lower back's been stiff and I'm like normal stretching. I'm like, all right, it's got to be stretching. I'm foam rolling and my fucking back, my lower, it's not debilitating. I can go do it's whatever. Just yeah. It's just like a knot back there. So I'm thinking, okay, there's whether I need pop cracked, I need to do something different. Cause I always tell people if you get a strong, uh, strong abs, strong, strong core, no back problems. For some a, people, well, if that's I, where their problem is. That's the thing. Because back problems can come from hips. They can come from feet. They can come from shoulder. They can come from neck. Well, so for me, I've got super strong core, and now for whatever reason, I've got a stiff lower back, which I've been bitching about it for probably a month. Fucking CrossFitters. Oh yeah, CrossFitters. It's it's Trump's fault and CrossFit <laughs> and trained to hunt. Um, the uh, but you know that's something I'm like, all right, I I need to figure out what the hell's going because it's not like I can't get up in the morning and go do what I want to do. But the first twenty times I bend over. I feel like I'm 90. I'm like, Jesus, what the hell? And then it warms up and goes away. So there's something going on back there. That what do you I think about dry needling? Out. You're sticking needles into tissue. Mm-hmm. I don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough question because you want me to say, is it good or bad? I want to I know what you think for about it. what? For uh, For tight muscles. I don't think muscles get tight. Oh, I think they lose the ab- they lose the ability to change length appropriately. Yeah. If it increases the ability to change length and you followed up with light progressive contractions, okay. That's not I the think, answer you wanted. Is it? <laughs> I just wanted to know what you thought. <laughs> but that's what I think. Yeah. You're sticking in could it cause the tissue to contract worse? Is it a potential? I, I don't know. Seems like it would be because you're sticking a you're needle in it. You're traumatizing the saying, shit out of Yeah, it. exactly. So, w- hold on. We got to rewind here. I ripped my bicep off, all right? Then they drill a hole through your forearm. Which is a big problem with the steroid thing, right? Because well, what the steroids do is they speed the fastest adapting component up mm-hmm. faster than everything else. So you see a lot of tendon tears. Well, and I, I put it in a redneck perspective. I just said my my muscle got stronger than my tendon it did. naturally allowed. That's and, 100% what happened. But it was after I, I'd been off for a while, but I still had more strength in my body naturally should handle. And so, but this is, goes on to elongating muscles. They drill a hole through the forearm and then they bone suture it back. And then you go to physical therapy in slow incremental movements, they get your free, your range of motion back and everything else. Now, for me, it was a victory. I got everything back other than it's a little sore when storms come in or whatever the hell happens. Not very often, though. But they are elongating. You have to. That m- because you shortened. You made by pulling that attachment site through the bone. Right. You That's something where stretching. You have to make it longer. Otherwise, you're never going to get your arm all the way straight. Because they attached it on the other side of the bone. And that's what I guess I was wondering. In that case, you're saying yes. Yes. Because it's been shortened so much, you have to gain that back. You have to if you want full range of motion. Yeah, because they when they did it, you know, they had me, you know, basically. And you can see this one's a hair higher than the right one. I can't quite get it. But considering. Like this? 
Yeah, I can't. See, I, I think one. we could make that better because there's there's six muscles that do supination of your forearm. Well, it's totally. He does have it, strong forearms. They, it's totally because of me. As you only have like four or eight weeks of physical therapy when you rip the bicep off, which to me is you're just starting to scratch the surface of you know. I told you know. They, te- they got to get your ass out of the program. So if you're healed, they want to stop free treatment, This is the right? problem with physical therapy. If you get better, you stop going. If you don't get better, you stop going. No matter what, <laughs> so, you stop going. This is, you know, you get it free because you've hurt yourself at work. And then, well, you don't get it free, but. Yeah, well, it's free for me. Someone's paying. Yeah. Uh, but, and I paid for it before from every month. Is it pretty but, expensive if you had to pay for it for yourself? Fuck yeah, it's expensive. Because I looked at, one, the chick was hot and I was trying to sleep <laughs> with her. And uh, But I was like, hey, can I just keep paying to come? That's because I want to see well, Matt. You know what? <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that if you come see me. The uh, That's a long story I got to tell off the air. But so I wanted to keep going and then I'm like, you know what? I have the discipline. I'll just learn. And I, of course, I fucking never kept going. And, and I'm still fairly close, but... I would say within a month or two, if I was diligent, it'd come back. Because if I got it from where I could only do this to here, how fu- how much more is it to but add that? But it's good enough where you don't feel the need. The problem with that is if you continue to strengthen in positions that are less than optimal, yeah. it could turn into something that takes it away from you. Yep. Or that like that's what I try to prevent for people. No, that makes total sense. So, all right, we should get off this thing because I want to go shoot my new bow. I um, had fun. Yeah, yeah, we did too. I think uh, I think it's a good idea. Let's put let, some questions out. Well, I, we'll do two things. One, we'll get you back in here and announce. I want to talk it. about hunting at some point in time. Though. Well, we'll do a you know a mat live so people can fire away questions. We'll let them know ahead of time, and then we can do a people standard are gonna Q&A. fucking hate me because I'm not gonna <laughs> answer any goddamn questions because they're not gonna ask. You any. know that nutritionist yesterday didn't answer any questions directly. That's a good person. Well, and as I, I was thinking about it last night, it it's hard to blueprint the world. In it's one impossible. Podcast. And so she's like, she said very, what did she call them? Your, your hunger. Uh, intuitive eating. And yeah. And, and, and your hunger markers or whatever. And she's right. I eat so fast. I do that too. By the time I'm full, I'm way fuller than I should be. Well, that was a wrestling thing. Because when we <laughs> sat down after weigh-ins, there was a big bowl of food. Yeah. So if you didn't eat fast, you didn't get shit. Well, and that's what the military, same thing. And, and I didn't, wasn't raised with a ton of money. And so I, and I have an eating problem. And so like I I'm just stuffing food down my face and I'm like, if I ate slower, probably in the first eight minutes, I'm full, but I'll go ahead and push her to 20. And then I'm like, Jesus, I ate way too much. But I know I'm eating too much, but I don't feel that I'm eating too much because I'm eating so fast. Well, that's why I just don't eat very frequently. Yeah. Like, we'll sit down and meal with my family, and I'll finish, and I'll throw my arms up. (laughs) (laughs) Done. And everybody's like, what? I'm like, well, I won the race that no one knew we were having. (laughs) So. Oh, Lord, that's funny. All right, cool, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. you I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yep.